sermon series today. I'm really excited to get into this. Uh, it's an exciting time when we close out one series and begin a new direction of study. Uh, first of all, I'm just kind of curious if everyone grew in their faith through the Elijah series. A couple of hands, that's great. It, it was an awesome series, and um, I know personally I grew a lot from reading the, the Kings and studying from that. But today we're going to be moving on. We're actually starting a brand new four-part message series called Pray. And we're going to talk about how do we learn to pray with power and with passion in a way that we would grow in our intimacy with God. And I sort of need a little help here. How many of you guys would say, I absolutely believe in the power of prayer. And yet, I probably don't pray as much as I should. Bunch of hands up. Yeah, I'm seeing lots of these. Uh, and it got me thinking about why is it that we know that we have a good God who, who answers the prayers of his children, and yet so many of us don't pray as we know we should. And I think there's probably several reasons why some people honestly don't really know how to pray, or more specifically, maybe we lack in the confidence in knowing that, am I praying correctly, or am I praying for the right things? A lot of you, maybe you're a little like I am. Uh, sometimes I can experience a little attention deficit when I pray. Are there any attention deficit errors in the house? Yeah, there's some of you. Uh, you have great intentions to pray, maybe uh, a good long prayer, and and then we start repeating things, forgetting things, what specifically it is that we wanted to pray for. And you think, how did I just lose focus in one minute? And it just, that's how it happens sometimes. Um, how many of you are, say, comfortable praying in a group setting? You don't want to be picked to pray in front of a bunch of people. Uh, maybe you get intimidated. We've all heard others pray, and some of them are really good. You know, maybe you got Moses' uh, little brother in your group, and he's quoting scripture, and you're thinking, man, that's good. See, if I were God, I would answer that prayer. But me, my prayers don't sound anything like that. So I don't know if you've ever had these frustrations like this. What I want to do over the next four weeks is really allow God to do a work in us, to teach us and to move us to pray with power and with passion. And I want to start today with what I believe are, are two big prayer mistakes that I think so many of us tend to make. If you're taking notes today, the first one is this, is our prayers are often too small. Number two, our prayers are often way too general. When we pray to God, I believe so many of us have prayers that are really too small or they're too general. To me, sometimes I think God must honestly be a little bit frustrated with the lack of faith that many of us have in what we pray for. For example, I think a lot of us tend to pray sort of like this. We pray, God, you know, thank you for this day, and I pray you bless me or, or bless, bless uh, so-and-so. And sometimes I wonder if God isn't going, have you looked at where you live? Do you not see what part of the world that you're in? Child, you're already blessed, but I'm happy to do it. Or like God, just 
be with me today. And again, there's nothing wrong with that prayer, but God might be like, I've told you I'd never leave you or forsake you. And you're asking for something that I've already given to you. And I don't know, but I just wonder if God might be thinking, um, if I maybe make a small suggestion, give me something big. In other words, I wonder if God doesn't ever say, like, ask me for something that will help show off my glory when I answer it. Why is it that we're sort of undercutting the power of a God who said, with me, all things are possible? And I wonder, is it possible when we pray too small or pray too general that ever insult the heart of God? God's saying, I could do so much more if you would just have the faith to ask me. Many of us, we pray very small, very general prayers. And I want to encourage you today that we might more regularly incorporate into our faith-filled prayers, prayers that are big and specific. Because general prayers do not move God to specific actions. I'm going to say that again because I believe this could be something that sets into motion for us a real priority to pray big and specific. General prayers do not move God to specific actions. Do we have an all-knowing God? Of course we do. James says that we do not have because we do not ask. What I want to do and I want to invite you to join me is I want to ask God for very specific requests and have the faith to believe that he can do the things that otherwise would be impossible to ever see. And fortunately, this has already happened for us here at the cross. And it's my prayer you experience this personally as well, because what follows when all of a sudden we see all the great things that God has done, suddenly these aren't coincidences or, or just some random act, but instead God answering big, faith-filled prayers that no one can deny that must have been by the hand of God, because only God could have the means to pull something like this off. And when you can share this with your community, how God is moving, there is so much power in it. We've seen it here uh, in the genesis of, of our very congregation, this building, uh, everything was prayerfully big and specific. Surely no one who's witnesses would say, well, that at the cross thing, those guys, it was just really lucky, you know, how it all just sort of worked out. Oh, it was a move of God. It was God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And so we want to pray big, faith-filled, specific, and passionate prayers. In fact, I'll give you another example of such a prayer. I love to read the prayers in Scripture and, and of others. Because they really inspire me and, and they teach me how I want to pray. And this one is just, well, it's so faith-filled. This is a story about Martin Luther. He's known as the father of the Reformation. And, and he had a friend, Friedrich Myconius. Uh, he was his assistant and kind of helped serve him as he was undergoing the enormous task of reforming the church in the 1500s. Well, in about 1540, Maconius felt deathly ill, 
and he was on his deathbed, he wrote a farewell letter to Luther saying the end is near, I love you, and all that kind of stuff. Excuse me for my alarm here. <laughs> so he wrote the letter to Luther saying the end is near, you know, and uh, uh, Luther wouldn't stand for that. Instead of praying a, a safe little, may the Lord be with you and comfort you prayer, Luther prayed a massive, specific, faith-filled prayer and wrote this in a letter back to his friend. And, and this is what Luther wrote if you're following along. You can watch this. He said this, Luther writing to his friend, I command you in the name of God to live because I still have a need of you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead, but will permit you to survive. For this, I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Boom. That's a big, specific prayer. What's even crazier is Maconius had already lost the ability to speak. He was evidently hours away from his death. And when this letter was read to him, it engaged his faith. And miraculously, the guy was supernaturally healed. And not just that, he lived six more years, and guess when he died? Two months after Luther passed. That's how specific the response was to a specific and faith-filled prayer by a man who had big enough faith to believe that all things are possible with God. I mean, if that doesn't fire you up, that's it's just incredible. And that's the kind of prayers that we want to learn. So we want to learn to pray this way into the power of our awesome God. Does that sound good to you? Okay, good. So what we're going to do is over the next four weeks is this. We're going to look at four different texts that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote. And we're going to see some examples of a prayer through Scripture. And uh, if you were here with us over the summer, we did a series on the Dangerous Prayer series. Any of you? Yeah, that was a great series. If you enjoyed that one, you're really going to like this one. So just in case you don't know who Paul is, Paul used to go by the name of Saul, and he was a guy that persecuted Christians. He hated Christians. In fact, he was in the process of trying to arrest and, and do even worse when he met the grace of Jesus. Saul would be transformed, and he would be made new. Saul became Paul, one of the greatest men of God in the Bible. And so he would go and start a great many of the early churches and, and kind of build them up. In fact, a lot of the New Testament is filled with letters he would write to them to support them and, and help answer questions these early churches would have. So we're going to be looking at how Paul would pray for these churches, and we're going to kind of notice that he kind of prayed the same way over and over again. What he would do is he would say, I pray, and then he would say for what he prayed. He'll say it again and again. He'll say, I pray blank so that. And then he gives you the reason as to why he's praying. I pray for this so that this would happen. So what we're going to do is we're going to learn and pray for the very thing that they pray for. And we're going to learn and be inspired by God to pray with a purpose. 
the first prayer we're going to look at is found is, is in Ephesians chapter 3. Paul wrote this prayer around the year 62 AD from a Roman prison to the churches in Ephesus. And he started his prayer this way, Ephesians chapter 3, 14 and 15. He said, for this reason, I do what? Someone help me out, sir. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He said, for this reason, I kneel. Now, when you pray, it's important to know that you can pray in any posture. You feel comfortable in praying. You can pray standing. You can pray sitting. You can pray while you're driving. If you pray while you're driving, what Jesus said, and that is watch and pray. Uh, don't close your eyes when you're driving, but you can pray while you're on a walk. That's one of my favorites. And, and you can pray kneeling. And what's interesting is for Christian, the most normal way to pray in Paul's there would be pray standing with his palms lifted up towards heaven. But in this particular case, Paul decided to kneel before God in prayer. And I would encourage you uh, just to vary in your postures. I've been doing this uh, over the last few weeks um, based on the intent of the heart and the need of the prayer. For example, when I kneel before God, there is something in me that just says, God, I'm giving you due reverence. In other words, I'm worshiping you. I'm acknowledging my weakness. I'm acknowledging your strength. And kneeling is just a great way to do this, I found. Um, I also, whenever there's something I'm really petitioning God for, I like to kneel. It helps me to focus in a very uh, respectful way that um, I choose to come from. If you haven't um, done that before, try kneeling this week um, as you're praying. So he says, for this reason, I kneel before my father. Go ahead to verse 16. Every day I say, I pray. He says, I pray that out of God's what? That out of God's glorious riches. I want to stop there for a moment. Out of his glorious riches. When Paul is praying, he's recognizing that his heavenly father has every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms that's available to his children. I am praying to a glorious, rich God. I pray that out of his glorious riches, earlier in Ephesians, Paul had said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He was saying, God has already made available to us every possible spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. This is the God that we pray to. I pray that God, out of his glorious riches, Paul also said in Philippians chapter 4, he said that my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We serve an infinitely spiritually rich Heavenly Father, and yet so many of us are living like spiritually impoverished children. We serve a God who has every spiritual blessing available to us in the heavenly realms. He desires to give those blessings to us, and we're often praying small and general prayers. You ask specific 
faith-filled prayers. And God delights in blessing his children with every spiritual blessing from the heavenly realms. So Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may do what? Let's say, I'll say it aloud, that our God may strengthen you with, with power. With power. Through his spirit in your inner being. Now, why did he pray that? Well, verse 17, Paul gives us the reason. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So here's the first time we're going to see this. But Paul uses this pattern throughout. I pray so that. Let's go back to verse 16. He says something here. He says that he may strengthen you with power. The Greek word translated as power is the word dunamē. Uh, we get the word dynamite from this word. It means explosive, miraculous power in the sense of God. It's not like human power. It's the power of God. And I pray that he may strengthen you with dunamē, with supernatural power. And that's available to you. In fact, as a side note, this year at the beginning of the year, we all prayerfully went to God for our one word, and it's been a prayer focus of mine. I, I hope that it's been for you as well. It's our one word that all throughout the year we've been praying that God would help develop in our life. Some of you might be praying for discipline. Or another might be praying for patience or, or gratitude. My prayer for this year, my word is the word spirit, because honestly, I need, I desperately need the power of God's spirit in my preaching. I need the power of God's spirit in my parenting. I need the power of God's spirit to overcome temptation. I need the power of his spirit to stand strong against spiritual opposition. More than I have in the physical realm, I need the power of him in me. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that my God would strengthen you with dunamis, with power. And that's available to you. And yet so many of us are not tapping into what's available to us. I want to give you an example of this. I bought my first house uh, about 20 years ago. It was an old house. It was built in 1911 and it hadn't been updated much since 1911. Okay. It was what you call a fixer-upper. Any of you ever bought a, one of those, a fixer-upper? Yeah. Uh, I was young and broke. And for you who have gone through this before, you know, those first years, you're so broke that whenever something would break, you wouldn't have the money to fix it. And so we'd just leave it broken. You'd just stay broken. And I told you some time ago about my flooded basement story, and, and that happened quite a bit. So when I was selling the house, getting it ready to be sold several years later, I'm realtor came through and she said, is there anything we need to disclose that's broken or, or doesn't work right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, get your list out. First of all, the basement just floods randomly. But it's strange because whenever I was down there, I would hear the sump pump kick on. It seemed to be working okay. And then other times I'd go downstairs and there'd be three feet of water down there. But then the sub pump would start working again. So the realtor's walking around, and we go outside to where the, the bulkhead was. And 
she opened it up, we went downstairs down to the basement. And right down at the, the base of the, the stairs, there was the sub pump. And so she's looking around, following the power cord, and, and the realtor says, well, that's crazy. And she goes over to the wall on the other side of the stairs, and she flips a, a light switch. And she says, what does this light switch do? I said, nothing. There's no light that goes on. We could never figure. Of course, you figured it out by now. It turned on the electrical outlet to the sub pump. When I would go to the basement from the upstairs, I would turn the light switch on, which also was connected to the same outlet. So whenever I was down there with the light switch on, the pump would work. All that time, one little switch, one little flip of a switch, and all the power that I needed was available to us. But we never tapped into its power. I came to tell somebody today there's more power available to you through the Holy Spirit and out of the glorious riches of God. If you will call on it, if you will ask him for it. So Paul says, I pray not that you'll just be blessed and safe, but that you'll have power so that the presence of Christ will dwell within your heart. Then he finishes verse 17. He says this, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Man, if I want my roots planted in anything, it's in the love of my Savior, Jesus. That you being rooted and established in love, that you may have what? That you may have power, verse 18, together with all the Lord's holy people. To what you need power to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, why do we need power to know how much he loves you? Because you need to know what it says in verse 19. That his love surpasses knowledge. His love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If any of you ever look on and you think, why do they have something that I don't have spiritually? Why is it that they seem to have this peace that I don't have? Why is it that they seem to have this insurance? Why do they seem to have something that I just don't have? The answer might be because they have something that you don't have. They have all that God has made available to them. And this comes from, and this, this is the supernatural understanding of the love of God. This is what's crazy. We cannot naturally understand God's love. When you, before you were a believer and you would hear someone speaking about God's love, you, you couldn't understand that. That didn't make any sense to you. you. You saw what they had, but it didn't touch you in the same way. It must be supernaturally revealed to you. Our finite minds do not have the capacity on our own to comprehend just how much God loves you. That's why parents and grandparents, one of the most important prayers you can pray for your children is 
that God would give them the power to understand how much he loves them. Suddenly, when their approval comes from God, then they don't need the approval from other people. They're not sucked into the temptations at school and of the world, but they stand strong out of the approval from the love of our great God. And that's why spouses, one of the best things you can pray for your spouse is that he or she would have the power to understand how much God loves them. Then they will be drawn personally into a loving relationship with God and be totally transformed. It's not something that's naturally understood. It has to be supernaturally revealed to us. And that's why anytime I try to talk about the love of God, I fail miserably. I do not have the vocabulary, nobody does, to give his love justice. It's only through the word we can even get a sense of this. And we have to have that daily bread to experience this. Surpasses our general knowledge. This is a supernatural experience. With God. And with God, love is not just what he does. Love is who he is. It's the essence of our God. God is love. God is love. It's not just what he does. It's who he is. And when you recognize that's who he is, then you stand in the strength of there's nothing I can do to cause him to love me more. And there's nothing that I can do to cause him to love me less. What an insurance. He doesn't love me because of what I do. He loves me because who he is. And when that overtakes me, suddenly Christianity, it isn't something I just do on Sunday. It's the essence of who I'm called to be. I am a Christ follower. I have power that dwells within me so that Christ lives in my inner being. Suddenly, I'm not living for the things of this world. I have the power of the love of Christ. You'll meet people, and we have many in our congregation today, and you'll ask them, how do you stay so calm? How are you so secure? How come they gave you a bad doctor report, but you just have this supernatural peace? There's just this peace about you. You want to know how? They got the power. They have that supernaturally revealed power. They have the Holy Spirit. They flipped that switch in the basement. There's power that's coming into them. One of the most important prayers that you can pray for those that you love, that they may have the power to understand just how much God loves them. In fact, someone asked the famous trumpeter, Louis Armstrong, one time to explain jazz. And they said, Louis, tell us about jazz. Can, can you explain jazz to us? You know what Louis said? He said, if you got to explain it, you ain't got it. He said, if you got to explain it, you ain't got it. If you have to try to explain the love of God, it could be that you haven't been immersed in it. You haven't been overcome by it. In fact, I'm really praying that there are many in our church who would seek a deeper, a more meaningful spiritual encounter with the Holy God. That it wouldn't just be I'm singing a song at church, but it's like I'm dwelling in the presence of God. I'm hearing his voice. His spirit is guiding me. When I'm reading his word, it's 
jumping off the page, giving me encouragement or convicting me away from my sins. It's leading me into the right places. I'm having the faith to do things. It would seem impossible otherwise. It's a little like Charles Finney, who was a famous evangelist back in the 1800s. He was a follower of Jesus. But then he had a deeper encounter with God. And here's how he described it. He said, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. And I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come. And here's the part I want you to notice. He said, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. Waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. It came wave after wave of liquid love. To me, this is a beautiful image of the love of God. I pray, I, I really do, that you have power. Supernatural power to understand how much God loves you and that it would just be like waves after waves. Just when you think you understand it, more comes. And just when you think you sort of understand it, more comes. Waves after waves of his love. Then one day, things start to change in your life. Maybe for years, you've been dissatisfied. You have so much and yet you want so much more. And for years, maybe you've battled with depression or feelings of loneliness, or inadequacy, addiction. Suddenly, those things will start to melt away. Why? Because the power of God is dwelling within you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead takes up residency inside of you. Your identity is not based on what you have, or what you do, or who you've been, but on what God thinks about you. And there's a deep assurance of his love because it's not just been naturally learned but supernaturally revealed therefore you are never the same and then guess what your prayers change when you know how much god loves you and when his power dwells within you your prayers aren't keep us safe today god and bless us food and be with us and yeah that's all i can think of amen you're praying for big things you're never praying god just Keep my kids safe today and keep them off drugs. No, 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 no. God, raise up my children to be spiritual leaders in their school. God, may they stand out for the glory of Jesus. I pray that they would be bold in their faith, that they would be leaders of their faith. You're praying specific and big prayers for your children. You're never praying, God, help me pay the bills this month. Just help me pay the bills. No. God has promised me. Have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread? that he would bless me as I come in, as I go out, that you're going to provide for all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And I believe, God, that I'll be able to be massively generous and be a blessing to others who are in need today. That's how much that you will bless me. Oh, God. Oh, God. I pray for my husband or boyfriend. He's a jerk. You know, make him less of a jerk if you can. No. God, touch the heart of my husband. Touch the heart of my boyfriend. I pray that he would bow to his knees in full surrender to your son, Jesus, and he would stand up 
a fully devoted follower of Jesus, a man after God's own heart, that our family would be different because he leads us to the things of God, that generations would be different because of my husband or boyfriend will fully belong to you. You pray big prayers. You pray specific prayers. You believe in a God who says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Then your faith grows and it grows and it grows because you have the power of the risen Christ dwelling within you. Let me show you how Paul wraps things up here in, in verse 20. It really reads like an anthem. He says, now to him, now to Christ, who is able to do how much? Someone help me out with this. He said, now to Christ, who is able to do immeasurably more. In other words, you cannot even measure how much he's able to do. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. This, this is awesome. The greatest thing that you can picture in your mind, our God can do more. The greatest thing that you can dream up, our God, he can do more. According to his what? According to his power. That He's at work here within us, within you, within you. That's where his power is. You're not on your own. When you are weak, his power is made perfect in you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Verse 21, to him be glory in the church, the church that he loves, the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, do you see the faith? in this prayer. This isn't God help us through the day. God help us through the week. This is may generations be different. Why? Because you can do exceedingly abundantly more, immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Who has that kind of faith? Someone who has the power of God dwelling within them. And I believe with all my heart that our church will be filled with people who have been touched by the power of God, those of you listening online, and you have the faith to believe bigger things and for God to do the impossible. And when he does, you're going to tell everybody it's only because God showed up and showed off just how big and powerful he is. May he get the glory for generations to come. God is continuing to bless all of you, and will you please come forward for today's invitation?